You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red on what should be a really good episode as we reflect on another special night at the City Ground after the Reds beat Huddersfield 2-1 to secure an FA Cup quarter-final against Liverpool, the first time we've been in the last eight since 1996. And to do that, we're joined first of all by Forza Garibaldi's Greg Mitchell. Hello, Greg, you well? Yeah, great. Bit tired, but good. Good, good. And our second guest today is a Reds legend, a man who knows what it takes to score against Liverpool and beat them. Not that we're going to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we'd like to be joined by Colin Barrett. Colin, you well? Very good. Thanks, Matt. Morning. Morning, Greg. Morning, mate. Right, let's get into it. I mean, normally I start this by asking about overall thoughts on the game, but um, Colin, can you actually believe what's happening? You know, last time you were on, um, Chris Eaton was still manager. Forest would go on to have a nightmare starts the season, and now they've got an FA Cup quarter final and they're pushing for promotion. It's pretty mental, isn't it? Uh, I have to say, it's uh, been a, a surprise turnaround, um, in all honesty. Um, and you've got to say, the manager's done what a manager has done. He, he's, he's got he's galvanised the whole club, he's got the players on his side, um, and they're playing some half decent stuff as well, and, and results. Once you start getting the results, builds confidence. But to come where they've come from uh, from the start of the season, it's quite remarkable. And I think the I think the fans appreciate it, and the rapport between the fans and management and the players um, is far stronger now than it's been for a couple of years. I think, and and if it continues, you know, um, looking forward into the future, we've got something to look forward to. What was it like in the ground last night, Greg? Special. It was as good as the Leicester and the Arsenal game. You know, you kept hearing Leicester fans saying, oh, we're only selling it out because we're playing them. And then every single game now, we're selling it out. The stadium's rocking. Everyone's singing all the way back to the pubs after. It's just superb. Fireworks going off after the game. It's just brilliant. Couldn't be better, could it, at the minute? Let's talk about the game itself then. Just overall, Colin, the, the best team won, I think, didn't they? I think overall, I think you can see why Huddersfield are where they are. Um, certainly in the first half, I thought there were times when they played some half-decent football. Um, Forest could, in the end, have won more comfortably um, with the chances they created. Um, goalkeeper pulled off a few good saves um, and that you know, was pleasing really. So, and it may be a kick up the backside for Samba to sort himself out. Whether or not he takes that on board, that's another thing. Um, but I think that overall, um, the unit is pretty strong. Um, they've got options now that they can call on off the bench. And I think it's a fairly strong squad they've got now um, than what they had at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about team selection before we break it all down. Greg, I think we've spoken on here a few times, all of us who do it regularly, and kind of thought Samba would come back in. But um, Horvath got the nod and did very well. Was it good man management by Cooper to, to back the keeper who'd done well in the previous three games? Yeah, it was a real tough decision, wasn't it? Because he has played well. He's obviously, you're always a little bit nervous when he's got the ball at his feet, but his shot stopping superb, which was proved again last night with a couple of brilliant saves. But he made the right decision again, didn't he? Because, you know, he had another excellent performance. It's just that distribution that makes you a little bit nervous. But we're winning games and we're not conceding many goals. So you kind of stick with what you know, don't you? And, you know, Samba's probably going to look back and wish he didn't 
do what he did a few games ago because who knows when he'll get back in. But they're both number one goalies, aren't they? So it's just a great headache to have. Mm. Did you want to come in there, Colin, on that? I do, I do. Because with regard to his the ball at his feet, you know, you do panic a little bit when you see it being knocked back to him. But I think that's an issue of somebody who's not played regular football. And it's an issue of somebody who, not, who doesn't realise um, the pace that the championship or championship games are played at. And I think when he gets to that, um, when he plays more and more games, he will get to the pitch of that sort of thing. You know, I need to get the ball out there quicker. I need to release it from my feet, out of my feet quicker, because everything's quicker. And then against it, when you're stepping up another gear and then you're going into the next level, which you hope Forrest will do at some stage, you really have to be. It, it is really quick then. You know, and, and that's the issue that you will gain. More games he plays, the quicker he'll become, the better he'll become on that part. The actual distribution part, he kicks a good ball, half decent ball, you know, gets it, you know, clearance wise. Um, but there is the issue that he thinks he's got more time than he has. And then I think once he plays, as, as I say, once he plays more games, um, he'll get the benefit of that. But Samba is another one who just takes his time. He, he pleases himself uh, when he does it. And so for me, I think uh, he deserves his place last night. And, and, he, and he did really well. The other player who came in was Sam Sorridge, who scored two goals on the night, although one was one was chalked off. I mean, what did you make of him, Greg? You, I thought you put on Twitter that the liner almost ruined your night. You didn't have a very good night, did he? <laughs> I couldn't get it out of my head. Even when we were 2-1 up, I thought he's still going to cost us. I thought these officials do not want us playing Liverpool. I could just see it. You know, years of things happening to us, ridiculous in big games. I thought, here we go again. And... You know, we were behind the goal and thought, he's played it through his legs. How's it offside? Uh, there was a couple of ridiculous decisions. And, you know, I think they used to have him VAR, aren't they? And maybe he just thought, I can put it up and look back after. And luckily it didn't cost us because, you know, Surridge played superbly and he deserved two goals last night. Uh, so, yeah, luckily it didn't cost us. But they've got to sort it out. These professionals, they, they need to do better than they did last night. What did you make of Soris, Colin? I'm pleased he got his goal. I'm pleased he got his goal because I think he's been trying too hard at times in front of goal to try and score. Um, I thought his, his finish was exceptional. He's a mobile lad. He gets himself about the park a bit. He gives, gives them options, gives them energy. Um, and it, it'll prove um, to be a good sign, I think, in the end. Um, and it just, you know, it's all, goal, all, goals, all strikers are judged on how many goals they get. Um, and he's got one now, so uh, I have to say I think this will be the start of his, you know, relationship with Forest and Forest fans. And I think he's, he's a he's a unit as well. He's a big strong unit. So I think he'll be in a really good acquisition to the to the football club. Um, I think that's what they've been missing a bit as well. Like Sheffield United, they dominate the ball and create a lot of chances, but they they just need someone to be ruthless. And without Graben, sorry to be fair, he was actually ruthless, wasn't he? Well, his job. Grabber's job, Grabber will only do it when he wants to do it. Let's be perfectly honest about Grabber. The other thing is, he is a goal scorer. And when people score goals, you, you can't criticise the rest of his game because that's his job, to score goals. I'm not really bothered about what he does elsewhere, or not too much anyway. But provided he's scoring goals, right, you haven't got an answer. You, can, you can't criticise him. So, for me, I just think he's... Um, 
if you keep getting the ball in the box the way they did last night, um, and Graben's there, he will he will get his fair share. He misses a lot, Graben does, in all honesty. He takes a lot of chances. He misses a lot of chances. This boy Sturridge, I don't think at this minute, has had as many chances as Graben gets in the game. But the one chance he got last night, he finished it. Well, the two chances, the goal that was disallowed and, and the goal that he scored, the two chances he had on the night, bang, they all went in there. And that, that to me, bodes well for the future. Um, and it's, like, it's a confidence thing with strikers, with a lot of players, like a lot of players, but certainly with strikers. When they're hitting the back of the net, then they feel they're more happy. And then all of a sudden, they, 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 well, they, they get an extra yard. They get an extra yard, put it that way. Mm. There's an interesting question here, Greg, that wasn't on my uh, topic list from Richard about you know, with, with Surridge, where does that leave Graben? Does it leave push Graben out? And obviously there's Lyle Taylor. I mean, a lot of this depends on Keenan Davis, doesn't it, I guess, for next season? I'd love us to sign Keenan Davis. I think, you know, he was on the bench last night and arguably had the man of the match performance on Friday. Him and Surridge do such a similar job you know, holding the ball up and the strength they've both got, really like developing the play. Um, so having them two and grabbing, yeah, it could get a little bit busy. I'd imagine Taylor would be gone in the summer, especially if Birmingham managed to find a bit of money for him. Um, what will Graben be, 36, he's, five? No, he's 35 now, I think. So. Well, 36, yeah, so, I think, yeah. I don't know. Again, it's a, it's a great problem to have. It will depend on what league we're in as well. Uh, I'd love us to sign Davis, so I think he's a player that we could sign uh, and hopefully we should go for him. So we'll see. <laughs> It'll be a nice, busy changing room, hopefully. You'd have liked to have um, a Keenan Davis. Well, you probably did have a Keenan Davis type player in your team, didn't you, Colin, when you were playing? We had, we had well, um, a, well, something similar. I mean, we had, we had Peter with up front was um, the workhorse and he did workhorse and then followed by then we fight Gary Burtles after that. Tight, slightly different types of player in terms of size, and because this boy Davis is a is a is a big boy, um, and sometimes he looks clumsy at times. But once he gets his his head of steam up, he has he is it's difficult to mark and difficult to play against. Um, again, it's the issue of goal scoring opportunities. Um, it's all right in general plays all right, but again, he's judged on his goal scoring. And if he scores goals, then you know everybody's happy. Um, with regards to Graben, thirty-six years of age, um, I wouldn't offer him a contract. You know, it's, it could, I wouldn't offer him one. I wouldn't be in, he's done his time uh, at Forest, and Forest have got to move on. They've got to find a striker, um, and I certainly won't put Graben. Uh, pay, being brutally honest here, I'd sign Graben if he takes half his wages, right? That's being brutally honest. And, he, and if he can get him for that, because I don't think Graben will go anywhere else on the wages he's on. Um, and we're doing it in the financial financial world we live in. And um, Forrest are no different than any other football club. They will look at his wages and how much he's costing Forrest and they will say, well, look, we can get Davis for X amount, millions of pounds, which is an investment. Or we've signed storage, which is a bonus. We've already got him. So we don't necessarily need Graben at, at the wages he's on. Um, and that would be my, my take on that. Um, I can't fault him for his goal-scoring ability, but uh, the rest of his general play I can fault him for. But as I said to you before, I can't argue with somebody who keeps scoring goals. 
Um, I say he'll be 35 halfway through next season. Well, that was my fault, but he'll still be a veteran. Is Lyle Taylor at the end of the road, Colin, you think, at Forest? Well, Lyle Taylor, in all honesty, he's dis- he disappointed me. Because I, I, I thought we'd, they had something um, that they needed at that time. But when I, when I watched him play over a period of the time I watched him, he's more intent on trying to scrap for, with other people rather than stand, stand strong and stand when play, the ball's played up to him. He's more trying to grapple with the centre-halves. And he lost, he lost every battle I saw. He lost every single battle I saw. And I thought, he's not right. He's not the right person. Now, he's gone away and he'll probably go up if he goes to Birmingham or if he goes somewhere else. Well, Birmingham, I think the manager had him, didn't he, at Charlton? I think. Yes, yeah. Um, so, he knows all about him. So, it, that gives the lad confidence to go and do it at, at, at Birmingham. And if he, if, he get, if, if he keeps scoring goals at Birmingham, then Birmingham will pay him and pay more money, you know, if, if they want him. Um, so, it's a win-win situation for Forrest because if they're thinking about offloading him, and he does well at Birmingham. Somebody will buy him. Somebody will buy him. So Forrest, but at this, this season, I don't think he's, I don't think he's turned out to be the player I thought he was going to be. Mm. Um, put it that way. Um, but I just feel that uh, I've looked at this boy Sturridge. He looks okay. And and let's say Kieran Davis. It depends what Aston Villa want to do. Could Aston Villa um, decide that we've got enough forward players here and. And again, like everybody else in football, everybody has a price. And and if somebody pays the price, then, uh, you know, I think he'll go. Yeah, I mean, Villa's one of the papers our company covers. And I know that they've got that Cameron Archer, who I think they have above Davis in the pecking order, because he's 20 and Davis is 23 or 24. So they've yeah. got Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins. So there probably is a way out for Davis if Forrest yeah. can find the money. Um, going back to the game, Greg, did you think, oh, here we go, when Huddersfield score after Forrest had a good goal disallowed? Do you think it was all it was not meant to be? You do, but it's a bit like Sheffield United when we get a corner in the 95th minute. There's this weird belief now. You know, we've got this never-say-die attitude. We were playing really well. The crowd didn't, like, lose it. And you just thought, yeah, we can get back into this. Where a few months ago, as a Forrest fan, that happens. You're like, right, game over. It's a different team. We're living in a time that none of us are really used to at the minute. And, you know, we, we just keep going and we keep getting the results. And I thought towards the end last night we were going to get a third and just make it a comfortable last 10-minute party. So, yeah, it's strange times at the minute. Like, the way, the way that the fans are reacting to the team when they go one down is, is brilliant. And I think that helps. So, no, I never thought, never thought, here we go again. But you're also got that little worry because we're so used to it after so many years if we um, look at the equaliser and obviously we discussed the finish being so good but in the build up Garner puts a good through ball in and Yates breaks the breaks forward and kind of sets it up just by getting in there we should talk about them really I suppose if we start with um, start with Garner his form since probably Christmas Collins has been top notch hasn't it yeah I think he's more back to how he was when he first came um, and in fact even better so I think there was more movement from him last night than I'd seen for quite some time. Um, I think he's a player that, again, is, is, he's on loan from Manchester United and I can't see him getting into Man United. It depends what the boy wants himself, whether he wants first-team football um, or whether he wants to go back to Man United and see whether he can, he can get, in, get in their squad. But I can't see him doing it there. So Forrest are in the you know, forefront of getting him if they want him. I thought he was exceptional last night. 
Um, and the one thing that disappointed me was the one, the chance he had at the end. But if he'd have put that in the back of the net, I think it would have been an absolute dream performance for the lad because he played well. He played really well last night. What about Yates then, Greg? I mean, everyone in the, on this podcast has always been the pro Yates camp, luckily, but he's he's on fire now, isn't he? Yeah, there's still those fans that hate to see it, don't they? He's just brilliant. He's so, he's such a... I can't think of the word. Not a utility player is doing him any justice, but he can play anywhere. You know, that through ball Garner made to him, suddenly Yates is our top striker, and you're thinking, what is going on? Uh, he's heading now, he's goal scoring. I mean, what a tackle by the Huddersfield player to stop his run, because I think he would have scored. And, you know, luckily Surridge is there to back him up and get the goal. But man of the match again, and rightfully man of the match. And, you know, the whole crowd singing his name again as you leave in the stadium. It's brilliant. And I think he's in contract negotiations, isn't he? So yeah. get him signed up and get that sorted pronto. Yeah, I think there's a three year offer on the table. Um... How much of that's how much of his form's down to the manager and how much is down to the player, do you think, Colin? Uh, Ryan Yates is never um, worried about accepting the ball at any given time. He's never worried about um he's always been there for everybody. Um, his attitude is absolutely spot on. Uh, when he first came on the scene, I thought that he was raw. I thought his first touch wasn't great and his second touch was a tackle. But now he's, he's got, to, again, this thing about getting to the pace of games. I saw him play at Knotts and I thought, oh, I don't know what everybody's shouting about this boy. And then I saw him come to us and I'm thinking, well, it's just a little bit behind the eight ball. Then all of a sudden, he gets to the pace of the game. And he, he knows what he's got to do. I didn't realise he's such a big lad, um, to be honest. So he's got this, you know, I saw him play part of a game where he put, went into the back three. And I thought, oh, it could make be a centre-half in the making but he's absolutely performing his performance last night was sensational um, he got the game by the scruff of the neck and he was the one who was going to make things happen uh, he's now added goals to his game because um, he has missed a few chances in the past um, he, he is a really good player arriving in the box at the right time and uh, we had a player like that in Ian Boyer and it was, it was sort of resemblances to, to Ian um, with his game last night because he thought, I'm going to make a forward run. Now, a lot of this is down, when you say down to the manager, it's down, the vast majority is down to the player. When you cross the white line, you have to make your own decisions. Your manager has given you a sort of uh, a blank canvas of what he wants you to do, but the manager can't make the decisions for you on the park. Um, when players cross the white line, I think... It's down to the players then. They've got to make the right decision. They've got to make the decisions to go forward, defend or make the tackle. And those are decisions that he's getting right at the minute. And I don't think he's, he's as I said, he's never shared responsibility. He's never hid at ever given time. When Forrest were really struggling at the start of the season, Ryan Yates, for me, was the one guy that stood out and said, I'm always here for you. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Now, not everybody sees that. And because of the situation around Ryan Yates at the start of the season, or sorry, the team at the start of the season, maybe Ryan Yates was the, you know, the, the, the catalyst that, that everybody didn't like. But for me, I always thought to myself, actually, this boy, this boy's talented now. And I can understand why those that saw him in the early, earlier in his career thought they had something special. 
and is beginning to grow as a footballer, as a player, and basically as an individual. You don't get too many players like this now, Greg, do you? That kind of midfielder who's all over the park, who can pass the ball, who's a leader. And I've said before I compared him to Jordan Henderson, and I'll do it again because they're playing Liverpool next. But, uh, well, they're next in the cup. But there's that midfielders now, they're either holding midfielders or tens. You don't get many kind of, like like Connor says, all action-y and Bowie-type midfielders now, do you? He's just so keen. Uh, you listened to Cooper's interview before the game and... They were asking him why why things have changed at Forest, and he was saying about belief. We we work on belief a lot, and I think Ryan Yates has always had that, hasn't he? Before a hell of a lot of Forest fans did with him, he's always been that player that you can tell just puts in the extra hours, and and it's showing his passion. Like when he scores a goal, he's celebrating like he's one of the fans in the crowd. Like the joy, you just can't. It's so infectious. Um, and I think the players must just, they must just all get a bit off that as well. And I think he makes the whole team a better team. So long may it continue because I think he's only going to get better. And that's why I say, you know, get him signed up because it might not be long into next season where we get some big teams sniffing over him. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you talk about belief, Colin. Last time you were on, I remember you were talking about, you said players were trying, but they lacked either the belief or the confidence to go the extra yards that makes you win a game. Obviously, you, you see that now, don't you? I guess there's... they well, they almost well, invincible. It's, it's, it's quite... To be honest, it's, it's very difficult to say what's what's made, made the difference. It could be the manager that's made the difference. It could be the players that have made it. But there is a difference. And the difference is that half yard. And that half yard is what was missing at the start of the season. Um, and the attitude of some of the players now, they're getting into positions to help their mates out. Whereas before the start of the season, they weren't prepared to do that. They were prepared to sit comfortable in their own places and say, well, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to be, I'm playing, um, I'm just taking care of my own business. Whereas last, this, certainly this, this half of the season, these players are now making angles for passes. They're m- making themselves available. They're making sure that they get somebody in the box. You know, it's all right, I'm, they're missing, some, they're missing a lot of chances still, you know, in games. But they're getting there, whereas at the start of the season, they weren't. Um, so I think that uh, I think the, the pennies dropped with them. I think the pennies dropped. And obviously, results have made them you know, belief that they can go further and further. And now they've given themselves half a chance, not only in the league, which is the most important of all, um, but now they're getting the the accolades they deserve with the performances in the FA Cup. I don't think Liverpool will be looking forward to coming to the city ground if it gets the way it was rocking last night. Because it was it was a game where the whole stadium erupted. And and for it for a stadium to erupt like that, the players have got to make it erupt like that, if you understand my meaning. They've got to they it's whatever they do it on the par that brings the fans into the game. If the players aren't doing anything on the park, the fans won't react. And the reaction of the fans over the last, I don't know, 10 games has been brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so the issue is, can they keep it going? The big one is Reading on Saturday. I think that's a must-win game. Um, and then, then the momentum's going again. And you just, it, it is a, it's a snowball effect, you know? Once, once the ball starts rolling you want it to carry on rolling and you want it to carry on. And I think it's there. I mean, you can see it all around the ground. You can see it in the players when they play. They're closing down situations quicker. 
they're getting their head to the ball quicker. They're getting to, you know, getting to the crosses quicker. They're getting down the line quicker. It, and it's a, it's a strange thing, but it's just happening because the belief that they can go and do it now, whereas the start of the season, they winnered in a shell. They didn't want to come out of that shell. And then all of a sudden, things changed. As I say, new manager comes in, new ideas. They they bought it, they brought it on, and they've um, and everybody's benefited from the club. There's a smile about the place now. Um, I bet, as I said to you before, I, I think uh, if you look at industry, I bet the whole of Nottingham's industry, the production has productivity's gone up in whatever you're doing. You know, you know. Right, Not this way. morning. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, yeah, I've got a bricklayer down the road. He's, he's built that bloody wall far quicker than he's ever done in his life. You know, and I think last year he was just a one brick every half hour. Now it's ten bricks every bloody half hour. So it's one of those scenarios. And and I think it's honestly true. I'm true. It works when you when your football team of your town or your city is doing really well. The whole city's in a buzz, and that's what you've got now. I think one of the things we've often said this season, Greg, is that Forrest can't win without the wing-backs pushing up and Johnson being integral to it. And uh, Brennan was good last night and Spence was good and Lowe was pretty decent, well, not his best. But Forrest have won the game with Surridge scoring, Garner and Yates are brilliant. I mean, how important is that that they're, they're not a one-trick pony? Yeah, and I noticed as well Surridge was on Lowe's side a lot more because everything goes down the the Spence and Johnson lane. It was great to see the other side get a bit of the action as well. And uh, going back to what Cole said, though, as well about the city, my uh, friend's wife messaged him at half-time. They live just over the river. And she said, uh, it sounds like the city grounds in our back garden tonight. So it really is. I I, I don't believe the productivity uh, thing in the morning. But, Honestly, yeah, great. I get believe it. me. Believe me. <laughs> Everybody's gone down the shops and they're spending more money. Can't believe yeah, the times are coming back. <laughs> so these blooming tickets are having to buy. <laughs> well, that's that's the big issue. The football club's got to get used to this. This because all of a sudden, yeah. I bet I, I've had two phone calls already. Can you get me a ticket? You know, so the actual football club is will be saying we can't cope with this. We can't cope with this. But that's what it's going to be like. That's what it's going to. Well, be. And it's a lovely feeling. You've got yeah. to be guest of honour on the twentieth, surely. <laughs> well, I won't be guest of honour, mate. There's a lot. That's many, many years ago. That was many years ago. How nice is it, Greg, to be going down at the moment? Because you've probably gone to the games out of duty a lot of the time and playing because oh, it's gotcha. part of a routine and it's just what I've done mm. for so many years. And now you probably—I mean, well, I'm not putting words in your mouth. You look forward to going to Forest games more now than since since when? Um, oh, I don't know. The Billy Davis years were good, the first ones, weren't they? Um, I've got family coming up from the West Country on Saturday. They can't wait. It's like <laughs> it's not just the city, is it? People are coming from all over, you know, they're flying in from America and Ireland and all that. And yeah, you just can't wait to get down there. It used to be, we used to say, you know, don't let the football ruin a good day out. And now you're going <laughs> because you can't wait to get in that ground and see what they're going to serve up this time. So I'd say, if I'm honest, it's probably the best I've seen it. You know, like, when you're a kid, you don't really remember it that well. But, what, 96, last time we were in the quarterfinals, I was 11. You know, I'd genuinely say this season now, especially after Christmas and how we did in January, it's probably the best, yeah, best I've had so far. (laughs) 
What do your old teammates say about it, Colin, this season? I don't know if you spoke to them last night, if you were, if you saw them or not, but what, uh, what, are, the, what are the legends saying? John O'Hare, we saw John O'Hare last night, and he's, he said, we really enjoyed the game, good tempo, good cup tie. So they're on board as well. Um, and it's like, a, we're, we're, us old-timers say, it's football seven days. No more than, keep telling you, football is seven days, you know. Uh, you have a bad day one Saturday, the next Saturday you win, and you forget everything. Um, so the seven days is a, this seven days is very important to the football club in terms of got Reading in that and maybe QPR I think later in the week. Yeah. So yeah. they've got two good games coming up. That you know if they get two good results from that everything's going. But the players I saw Frank last night before the game um, and Alan Hill. Alan Hill was with Alan Hill all night and he keeps saying we're going. I said Alan be careful now. He said we're going. He said we're going. I want. He said. I said, he said, I feel it, Colin. He said, I feel it. We're going to Wembley. I said, oh, come on, come on. And he said, uh, and I said around to him, said, the only way we're going to go to Wembley is if Liverpool leave the brains in the dressing room and the plumbing, you know, half the team. That's jokingly, you know, because I know, um, I know upsets can happen. And we've all played games where we battered sides, battered sides to, and then come out losing 1 0. So you hope we have one of those nights against Liverpool. But the whole experience that the players will take from it is vast. That, that because that, and then they'll know. Well, they know anyway now because they've had three Premiership sides come against them. The players there that have been with Premiership clubs, um, so they know what's coming. And when Liverpool come to town, and then you're playing the best of the best, if you like. Um, so I have to say, the players will benefit from that. They might some of it they might not like. But they've just taken it on board and just added to the, you know, to what they've got, and I think it will benefit the club in the, for, the, for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, but the rest of the lads, I think they're they're the same. They look, I'm sure they looked at Forest first, um, and and they're just enjoying what they, what they're seeing. But it is there. Our ground wasn't rocking like that. Our ground wasn't rocking like that last night. You know, in the old second division days, you know, when we were in, we had twelve thousand in. The crowd, you've got 27,000, 30,000 now for second division games, and you know, we got a fair bit of abuse from crowds there. You know, you can hear you can, the worst part about it is you can hear everybody when there's only 5,000 in the crowd, you can't hear a soul out there when there's 30,000, 40,000 in the crowd because you don't know where it's coming from. You know, you, it's worse when there's a one man and his dog at a reserve team match, and they say, Barrett, you're rubbish, you know, you don't get that, you know. Whereas in the in the top flight, in, in you don't hear it because the noise is just mound, but mind-boggling, really is. I'm hoping so the, the linesman heard me. Say again. I'm hoping the linesman heard me last night. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I know. I, I, I think the, the the officials. I, I love it because everybody says, "Oh, it was the referee," and that's never changed in the game. It's always the referees fault when things go wrong. <laughs> And they got decisions wrong last night. They did get decisions wrong. And, and in all honesty, straightforward decisions they got wrong. I thought the lad was lucky to stay on when the elbow went into storage. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. He saw that. I know the referee saw that. I, you know, from where I was sitting, he was looking at it and he's thinking, I can't do it. And he should have, he should have gone for that. And then the offside one. I couldn't see where he was. And I wanted to find out whether he was onside. And then, obviously, you'd say, had that been at a premiership ground, the game been at a premiership ground, it would have been, it would have been 
a goal because VAR mm. was in VAR would be in use because it's out of the city ground. You have to go off what the, the linesman has, has given. I was at the other end of the ground, and there was a situation where the other linesman, there was a guy, honestly, five yards offside. The ball gets played to him. He doesn't put his flag up, and that could it, it can cause causes so much. You know, the linesman, both linesmen, got a fair bit of stick last night from various players. So the officials didn't do themselves any favours with straightforward decisions, not you know, not fifty-fifties. Uh, absolutely straightforward decisions, and those are the things that they've got to get right. And then sometimes the game is too fast for them. Sometimes the game is too fast. They're half a yard or two yards behind the play, and they think he's got to be offside. I'll put my flag up, and that's what happens. Hmm. Mm. Um, let's talk about how to beat Liverpool if it's possible then I mean I know the circumstances were different completely different when you played them Colin and beat them in Europe but you've done it so no, no, no one else in this panel's beaten Liverpool how the Forest um, how do they go about the game and what chance have they got Forest have got basically they've got to sort their own games out first if they sort if, if they play in their way they want to play, then they can't deal with what Liverpool are going to give them. If they're worried, more worried about Liverpool, what Liverpool are going to do to them, to them, then right away you'll be on the back foot. What you've got to say is, we're going to do what we do best, and then we'll go from there. If it doesn't work, then all well and good, but at least we tried doing it our way. Um, we had a certain way of playing, um, and Liverpool would have probably had fast more possession than we had but when we played we were more direct um, and we you know we scored some good goals wherever we played against them so we, we had a way of playing against them um, that they couldn't they couldn't cope with for three or four seasons we did them um, and I just think that we did it purely because we were more interested in our dressing room and not their dressing room if you're worried about what you're coming against, when you see the, see the team sheets come in and you think, oh dear, we're in for it today, then you're already on the back foot. I think you should do it the other way, where I want my dressing room to be right. I want my dressing room to have the belief that we're going out there, we're going to have a good go at this, and we'll see what the outcome is at the end of it. And so long as everybody on that part puts his lot in, none of us fans or our ex-players will complain. Um, and I feel it's a, it's a good opportunity for them to to make a name for themselves and uh, and I, I hope they go and do it I really hope they go and do it and I hope that Liverpool don't come here and disrespect Forrest because Forrest are at a half decent side at the minute and I just think that uh, I can't see Liverpool doing that under this manager uh, whereas I think other teams have done in the past um, and I just feel that it'd be a really good game a good 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 atmosphere for the, for the town, for the city. Yeah, I mean, there's a comment from uh, Nathan here saying, hard not to worry if you see Mo Salah on the team sheet. But I guess, Greg, um, they're going to be, they might still be in the Champions League, probably, uh, and still pushing for the Premier League title. So it'll be interesting to see what that team sheet is when it comes out, won't it? Well, Klopp's doing his usual and already moaning about the fixture congestion. So, uh, yeah. You well, I've, got an that, I've got an answer for that, Greg. I've got an answer yeah, for that. If you don't, if you don't want fixtures, don't be successful. <laughs> yeah. And then have a word with your play, have a word with your management, have a word with your, your, the people who employ you and say, well, I don't want to be a successful because we play too many games. He would be out of a job. 
Don't moan. There's enough game. Play, there's plenty of time to play all the games. Honestly, I know I get fed up with these managers who say we play too many games. We played 80 games when we won the league, when we won the, the Cups and all that sort of thing. We played 80 games a season. But the other side of the coin is, if you don't want to be successful, don't win football matches. And then you, then you will play less football matches and then you'll get yourself the sack. So bottom line is, Klopp, shut up and listen to yes. the question. <laughs> Right, and and play the game. Play, you know, you're a successful manager, and the football club at Liverpool Football are delighted you're doing that for them. And they wouldn't have if somebody else came in and said, "Well, we're, we're not going to treat the FA Cup. We're going to treat the FA Cup disrespectful. We're not going to be bothered about that. We're going to League Cup. We're not going to be bothered about that. League will have a go at that. European Cup will have a go at that." They're fortunate enough they've got a squad that can deal with the league and the league uh, with the league and the European Cup. And they're the big ones that they're in their eyes. But the other two cups, I've never heard a manager now in any League Cup final or any FA Cup final saying, "This we only, we we didn't want to win this." They all want to win them. They all want to win cups. So all this thing about too many games, I just think is you know. But he's, he's playing mind games, isn't he? He's just playing stupid games. We played so many fixes. Fuck. Well, Forest Forest have played eight. Forest will play eight eight, eight league games more than they will. This season, eight league yeah. games. So we play forty-six. They play thirty-eight. Forest to play more games than them. So stop moaning and just get on with the game. <laughs> what chances then, Greg? Have a win. Oh, I like. I'm glad I mentioned him now. Um, <laughs> there's always a, there's always a chance. We beat Arsenal. Arsenal can beat Liverpool. We beat Leicester. You know, Leicester can do something. There's always a chance at home. You know. We might be able to target a couple of the inexperienced players. You know, they might get a man sent off after 10 minutes. You just never know. You know, there's no point filling that ground out if people are just going for a day out. I genuinely think there's always a chance and you're one game from Wembley. And we've got some Premier League quality players, you know, to to go for some of their, their good lads. Like, you know, we've got Spence and Johnson to cause havoc. So there's always a chance, always an opportunity and... I can't wait. I really can't. Um, before that, like Colin says, they got ready in QPR. I know they're not bigger games, but in a sense, are they, are they more important, Colin? Oh, they're, they're huge. Huge. Um, I think it's, what, 12 games to go or 10 games to go for us to go? can't remember. Uh, um, 12, I think, yeah. So, two home games, two good results, um, and the ball's rolling again. The way this the way this season's going, there's what they're now down to ten teams now think they can get in in the playoffs. Maybe even twelve teams think they can get in the playoffs. Even now with twelve games to go. So this is the as they say the business end of the season. So you get the ball rolling, ready on Saturday. That's all you can deal with, and then you'll deal with QPR when that comes round. But certainly the Reading game is one way you say right. We've got the momentum. We carry on from what we've done this week and we have to, you know, first touch, first pass, first tackle, first everything is right. And then that sets the momentum of the game. And from there, we we should go on. And QPR, we'll deal with QPR when we come to it and then carry on from that. If if they they get four good results from these two games, I guarantee you now they'll get a good result for the next game. Greg, let me ask you this question because it stresses you out. Either beat Liverpool or win the next two league games. 
Well, we'll win the next two league games and then we'll see what happens with Liverpool. <laughs> That's fair enough. I'll let you off this week. Yeah, take the momentum. <laughs> take the momentum. Um, the team selection will be interesting on Saturday, won't it? Because Sorridge could rightly expect a start, couldn't he? Maybe if he's got an ego about him, he'll think I should be in the team, shouldn't he, Colin? Well, he did, he did himself a power of good last night. Um, and he, I thought he, 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 he was exceptional last night. And then, of course, Davis comes on and he does his thing and he's exceptional as well. So, isn't it a great thing for a manager to have that problem? And we've mentioned Graben and he's not even, we've not even mentioned him in those words, who should play. He'll be, he'll be jumping at the bit now because he sees a lot of these, because Graben's all about goals, you know? He wants to score as many goals as he can. Um, so, I think uh, all three of them are in a chance of playing. Honestly, um, if, if Graben's fit, I think I, I don't know whether he's still injured or not. But if he's, he's still fit, out, yeah, for a bit longer. Um, so I think all three of them have got a chance of playing, and all three of them, really, you could argue, could argue that deserve to play. Um, but the, you know, it's what he does with the rest. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. I take it, Greg uh, Horvath's in goal now until he makes a mistake, is he? You'd expect it, yeah. And I, I don't necessarily believe he's the, the better of the two either. But you know, it's momentum, and why change it if we're winning games? So, you'd, you'd almost hope now, if he's in goal now, you want him in goal to the very last game of the season because it means he's playing well, and we're doing, we're still winning games. So yeah, I'd expect him to be there. And with Davis and Surridge, to me, it just does not matter which one of them plays. They both do. A similar job, and you and you're excited to see either of them on the team sheet. Hmm. Do you agree with that about the goalies, Colin? I know I'm not, not comparing Samba to Shilton because Shilton was the best in the world. But if Chris Woods, or whoever came in, and had three good games, you'd still have expected Shilton to come back in, or is it, or, it, or is there, or are they just two good goalies? This is a, this is a manage, manager's decision. This one, <laughs> this is yeah. a classic way you can pass the book. But the issue is, is the manager's got to decide who he thinks is the best goalkeeper. And then he says, right, the best goalkeeper plays. You can't be uh, kind to a guy just because he's had three games for you and he's done really well, three, four games for you and he's done really well and he should keep his place. I can see that argument for, you know, but if you as a manager, you're the one where the book stops at you, you've got to say, actually, I know he's done really well, but the other guy is still the better goalkeeper. And he has to go with what he that, as opposed to being sentimental and say, well, he's done really well for us. He's not let us down. Um, I mean, Chris Woods and the Peter Shilton scenario, Chris Woods, I was with him the other day and I, and I, I mentioned it and, and I said, well, Chris Woods is the only one who won, won a major trophy, never played a league game for Forest. Hmm. You know, so you have to say, Chris accepted the fact that Peter Shilton was the best goalkeeper. Even though Chris Woods, when he came in the League Cups, played at second, won us the League Cup, to be honest, in the final against Liverpool. So the big thing with that is, Cluffy didn't say, well, you've done well in that final, you've kept us here, and all the League Cup games you've done well, I'm going to give you a league game. No, 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 Peter Shaw was in. So if, this, in fact, if Cooper thinks that Samba is the best goalkeeper, he plays. He plays. But if it's the other goalkeeper, he also plays. So it's, an, it's, a, it's not necessarily a, a good position to be in, but this is where your manager has got to say, stick his neck on the line, really. And then it's up to the player then to prove the manager right. 
Mm. Um, and I think that it's, it's a tough decision, certainly over the last four games, because this goalkeeper's done okay for himself. Um, mm. And I think he's enjoyed it, to be honest. <laughs> Does Colback come back in, Greg, against Reading? And who for? Um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> It was nice to have him on the bench, like when it looked like Worrell might have to go off. Mm. You thought, like, oh no, what's going to happen here? Um, I don't know who he comes. I honestly don't know who he replaces unless one of the midfielders is shattered. Be thinking uh, of you, wouldn't it? I guess. Yeah, you maybe. Yeah, he had a quiet game. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he, he could do. And I think I've changed my mind on the goalkeepers now for listening to Col as well. I think yeah. Maybe it is Samba's turn again. <laughs> we shall see. We shall see. I think we'll leave it there for this week after some interesting chat. Thanks to everyone who watched along as ever and dropped their comments in. If you liked it, do give us a like and subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, any platform you listen to this on. It does really help us uh, get people's attention on the podcast. Greg, thank you very much. No, cheers. Enjoyed it. And Colin, thank you. Uh, tell us about your badge, Colin. He's been sat there with it for Where'd 45 you? minutes. What a guy... Lad I watch football with is Dave Wee, and he's a he's a printer in Nottingham Labels, and he printed all these badges last night. Got a couple of them. I mean, obviously the Ukraine situation. He's got the forest emblem on it and all that. So we were sticking them on people's chests last night. So I said, "Give me some of them, and I'll stick them all around my my, my area." So I, the, one of my one of the mates, one of the, one of the lads in the town, he's a butcher. So I give him a load to put in his butcher's window. So hopefully he'll, they're all forest emblems and that. I've got a couple of them. Really good. But he's the one who, um, Dave, Dave Wheat, he, he if, if I wanted a taxi, he'll ring Dave Wheat. I won't ring a taxi for him. He'll do anything and he'll, and he'll do anything for you. And he, he printed them and um, he st- kept sticking them all around these supports. He said, what's that? What's that? And they, they all took it on board around us last night. It was really good. Really good. Yeah, absolutely. For people who are listening, not watching, it's uh, a very big uh, badge of the Ukraine flag with the forest emblem and, of course, the two stars on the top. Yep, top notch, top notch. Right, Uh, thanks very much, everyone. We shall be back uh, next Monday looking back on the Reading game. It's obviously a massive game, hopefully Forest win. So, uh, oh, I shouldn't say, I haven't said thank you, Colin. I hope you enjoyed that, Colin. Thanks very much. Well, anytime, you know know where I am. (laughs) I do. Thanks a lot and we'll see everyone next week. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.